Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on The College Draft Podcast, always presented by betonline.ag. You just use the promo code PODCAST1 and you get a 50% welcome bonus when you do it. You know what? We were going to have part two of my interview with Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus today, but then I realized the supplemental draft was tomorrow. So we'll have the second part of the Mike Renner interview next week because we really dove into this year's you know college football season and the 2020 draft with Mike. But I specifically wanted to talk to my guy, Dane Brugler, from The Athletic about the supplemental draft because it's tomorrow and there's actually a couple guys that might get drafted. So we are the college draft podcast. You kind of need to know about the guys in the supplemental draft if they're going to be drafted. So uh, my guy, Dane Brugler, will join us momentarily. I should mention, if you like fantasy football, we are taking all sorts of entries right now for people that want to go against me and Evan Silva in the Fantasy Feast season-long league, redraft league. All you have to do is take advantage of any of our sponsors or just rate and review the different shows, do the screenshot, send it to me, ross at rosstucker.com. There's a lot of different ways that you can enter. People are getting creative. Somebody sent me beer. People are sending me. It's crazy. There's creative ways to go ahead. By the way, I had two of those daddy sodas last night before dinner. That was that was delicious. Thank you, Justin Christopher, which is why Justin got into this year's Fantasy Feast Redraft League already. Anyway, let's see what you guys got, and let's see what Dane Brugler has to talk about the supplemental draft today on the College Draft Podcast. All right, Dane. So a lot of years, the supplemental draft comes and goes and nothing really happens. But it seems like this year is a little bit different where there's a couple guys that are likely to get drafted. One might even go pretty high. I can't remember the last time, Dane, there was this kind of interest in the supplemental draft. Yeah, well, you're right. And it's funny, the actual draft, it takes three days, uh, you know, a lot of hours go into it. The supplemental drafts usually over in about 10 minutes. 
And, you know, sometimes we have players drafted uh, over there. Since 2013, we've only had three players drafted, and two were last year. Uh, and this year actually reminds me a little bit of last year when we had two players drafted. Sam Beal, a, a third rounder, a corner, uh, went to the Giants, unfortunately missed his entire rookie season with a shoulder injury. And then Adonis Alexander went in the sixth round to the Redskins. I think this year is similar where we have, uh, I think, at least one player who should be drafted, and then we might have another one drafted later on. Uh, but it's going to be interesting on Wednesday, 1 o'clock uh, Eastern. Uh, it's going to happen really quickly. Uh, for people that don't know what the supplemental draft is, it's basically like a bidding system. Uh, teams put in, uh, okay, I want to draft this player in the fourth round, and if the, they're first up in the order, well, then they're awarded that player, and they have to forfeit their draft pick for the following year. Uh, but the first up is going to be Jalen Thompson from Washington state who uh, first time I watched him is when watching uh, Josh Oliver last year, the talented tight end at a San Jose state and this number 34 for Washington state, the safety corner, they often put him over the slot receiver, uh, a lot of man coverage on his film. That's when he really flashed to me. He's rangy. He's physical, uh, really impressive player. Uh, a lot of times he's, tracking down players from behind from the opposite side of the field, helping out uh, from different coverages. Uh, he can do a lot of things for you. And we know in today's NFL, if you can play man coverage, if you can be a versatile defensive back where you're playing man against a slot receiver, if you can play single high, um, if you can help out in the run game, uh, those are things that versatility is going to be key for you to get on the field. And I think Jalen Thompson can do that. Now he's not the biggest guy. He's, about 5'10", 186 pounds, uh, but he's a really good athlete, mid uh, or high 4'4", uh, type of speed, uh, moves really well. Uh, like I said, he can hold up in man coverage, and that's going to be the key to his evaluation. I think that he has a chance to push for a nickel job as a rookie, uh, and then maybe uh, by year two we're talking about him uh, pushing for more playing time, be a regular starter. And so talking to uh, scouts before we even knew he was going to be part of the supplemental draft, you're thinking maybe uh, a third or fourth round pick now because of, and, and that's the, and the other thing too, we have to remember is if players are in the supplemental draft, it's usually for a reason, uh, you know, academic or disciplinary, some reason that he's not able to go back to college. Uh, and with Jalen Thompson, it's because of an over the counter sub that he took uh, that was flagged by the NCAA, um, and so he was ruled ineligible for the 2019 season, so he just bolted. Uh, so a guy that's not very big, but what will help him is he's a three-year starter, didn't miss a single game, played in all 39 games his first uh, three years at Washington State. So that, that durability will certainly help him. Um, I compared him to uh, Glover Quinn, who ironically just I mean, retired this week, but a, a guy who's not the biggest guy, but he has a nose for the football, he he's, has the toughness to play against the run. Uh, and when you look at the safety position, you want guys that can tackle, that have range, that have instincts. And I don't think Jalen Thompson is necessarily elite in any of those areas, but he's not lacking either. Uh, I mean, he you can see each one of those areas that he has on film. And so that the ability, the fact that you can watch his film and see him play in man coverage, I think will certainly help him uh, on the supplemental draft that it, like I said, third, fourth round is where scouts are kind of pegging him uh, for next year's draft. Will he go that high in the supplemental draft? We'll have to see. You know, teams are going to dive into the, uh, you know, the over-the-counter supplement. How will that affect things? Um, you know, he just had his pro day. It was, it was an okay pro day. 
uh, you know, it's always tough for these guys because, you know, two weeks ago is when he found out he was going to be in this uh, supplemental draft. So we didn't have the most time to train uh, like for the regular draft, like other players. Uh, so I think when it's all said and done, you know, third, fourth, fifth round is where we're going to see Jalen Thompson's name uh, come off the board in the supplemental draft. So a couple of different questions that you triggered before we get to any other guys, Dane. Number one, really the only way you're in the supplemental draft, correct me if I'm wrong, is if something happens between the actual draft and your college, and, and I guess this date, and, and July 10th, something has to happen in those, you know, May, June time frame in which you lose your eligibility, correct? I mean, is there any other way that guys get into the supplemental draft? No, yeah, they have to uh, prove that for whatever reason, their eligibility for the 2019 season is in jeopardy. And it really, it usually comes down to an academic reason. Uh, a lot of guys just, you know, they don't have the grades, and so they're going to be ineligible for 2019 season or disciplinary. Um, and we've seen guys, uh, you know, Josh Gordon, uh, Terrell Pryor, uh, disciplinary uh, reasons why they were not able to return to school. And so anything that happens between that January 15th uh, deadline to enter the regular draft and then, uh, yeah, really the first week of July, anything that happens in that span then some of these players have the option to enter the supplemental draft. A lot of times, academic last year, uh, Sam Beal and Adonis Alexander both were uh, ruled academically ineligible, and so they entered the supplemental draft. Um, and, and so it really that, and that puts a lot of work on the scouts uh, over the summer is just to dive deeper into okay, what is the reason? Is it just a simple you know didn't take care of his grades, or is there a more bigger issue? Uh, and so yeah, there's a reason you're in the supplemental draft. Right. And so the thing that 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 part of it's interesting to me, because there's already, uh, you know, you're, you're, I guess, by definition, a red flag player on some level. Mm-hmm. And then the second part is, you know, some of these guys, I, I don't I didn't even know they were entering the supplemental draft until recently. And I think about all of the man hours that go into the real draft. Meanwhile, this is really when scouts are supposed to be off like this is when their time mm-hmm. off is. So. How much time have they had to really investigate these players and how thoroughly do they vet them as compared to the real draft? Yeah, scouts are very annoyed by the supplemental draft because it does uh, cut into their, you know, the little off time that they do have with their families, uh, you know, 4th of July cookout, that type of thing. Um, And so basically they wait until they get an official list from the league office um, of the names that'll be in the supplemental draft. And it's really up to that area scout. Um, So Jalen Thompson from Washington state announced he's going to be in the supplemental draft. Uh, He's officially uh, accepted by the NFL league office to be in the supplemental draft. So that area scout for the Pacific Northwest uh, for each team, they're responsible for, uh, you know, going to back to the school to uh, find out more about that player, calling his contacts there, uh, watching the tape, uh, going to the pro day, and just getting all the information as if he was a regular prospect. And that that takes a lot of work. And so, uh, you know, it's uh, and some of these guys, you know, we talked about it at the top. A lot of these guys aren't getting drafted. Uh, only three supplemental draft picks the last six years. Um, uh, but sometimes there, there is a Josh Gordon, you know, there is, 
uh, a Jalen Thompson, a guy that's worth checking out. And so it does take a lot of hours for these scouts to uh, kind of stop any plans that they had, any vacation, uh, whatever, and go do the work to make sure that each team does their due diligence on these players. Yeah, that was going to be my question, is just kind of how much time do the teams invest in the process? Because, okay, you got the area scout, but then uh, I don't know if you had a chance to read Chris Ballard's piece filling in for Peter King this week about the Colts and how they vet guys and they have this Green Beret guy who talks to every prospect. They try to figure out his character and all this. And all. I mean, it just doesn't seem like there's the same opportunity with, you know, top 30 visits and Senior Bowl and Combine. It just doesn't seem like they're able to invest nearly as much time in the process for these guys to really feel like they vetted him as much. Right. It's a very abbreviated process. And that's why we don't see many players go high in the supplemental draft because just it's hard to stomach giving up a high pick on a player that you haven't been able to do uh, as much work on uh, like the, the regular draft. And so, yeah, you don't get as many visits. You don't get as, many, as much face time. Uh, if an area scout comes back with a high grade on a player, well, then the general manager is going to get involved and, you know, try to set up a meeting, try to get involved more, uh, you know, work with the player's agent to try to get more information. And so it just really comes down to a lot to put on the area scout to let the rest of the team know, okay, hey, this is a player we definitely need to be interested. This is a player that could fit our system, that could help us. And, it's you know, it's an interesting process because, yes, you lose your draft pick next year, but you get him a year earlier. And so, uh, you know, it, can he help us this year? And, you know, a team, you look at a lot of teams that are in win-now mode, uh, can he help us this year get on the field where, you know, we could really use another versatile defensive back? And so it's up to that area scout to tell the, the GM and director of scouting and the rest of the front office, hey, we need to do more work on this guy. And so it's a really abbreviated process where everything's kind of pushed up uh, but for some of these guys, you know, it's worth it. And, you know, last year, the Giants, they sacrificed the 71st overall pick in the 2019 draft, and they took Sam Beal. Now, unfortunately, he didn't play at all his rookie year because of the shoulder injury. So I'm eager to see Sam Beal this year. Now that he's fully healthy to see if, you know, because it, it was hard for the Giants to not have that third-round pick uh, this past year, a top 75 pick. But will Sam Beal end up proving that he's worth it uh, and so with Jalen Thompson, you know, yes, he was viewed as a third, fourth rounder, but because he's in supplemental draft, is there a little bit maybe of a discount? Will he fall into the fifth round because of, again, like we talked about, there's a reason you're in the supplemental draft, but also that these teams don't have as much uh, work to go on in terms of talking to as many people as they usually do or, uh, you know, not having as much time, as much face time with the player to interact and find out what he's all about. So it's really an abbreviated process that, uh, and that's why it's over in 10 minutes. And not every team's going to be interested in taking a chance on these guys. So then I guess the other question is since they're giving up next year's draft pick, how much in general time have teams spent on the 2020 draft? Because I know they spend some time on the 2020 draft, even before the 2019 draft, to at least have some feel for what next year's draft might be like in terms of positional strengths and weaknesses. And then by this time, I'm curious how much they've done 
because you have to decide whether or not it's worth giving up next year's third round pick, next year's fourth round pick, whatever the case might be for a guy like Jalen Thompson. So maybe it's not even necessarily a supplemental draft question, but in general, how far along are teams on the 2020 draft and how much does that vary from team to team? Well, yeah, and they, there's a lot of meetings in uh, May to, you know, you talk about the scouting services, National, Blesto, uh, they are already, you know, while the teams are focused on the 2019 draft in April, National, Blesto, they're getting a head start on 2020, putting together their list, uh, you know, getting verified measurements and putting grades on uh, the, two, the class of 2020. Now, it's only the seniors, um, and so the underclassmen, that's, uh, you know, a little bit of a different story, but teams have a list of the top, uh, you know, probably say 600, 700 seniors, uh, probably even go higher than that from these scouting services. That's why these teams, uh, you know, are a part of the scouting services because it gives them basically a watch list of, okay, I need to know these 800 seniors uh, going into the year and each one has a grade on it. So they have an idea uh, based off of these scouting services, based on the, each area scout, what they've done in the past. They know, you know, who, who to look for from their school calls. Uh, and they have an idea of the underclassmen coming up. Obviously, if you are in need for a quarterback, you know the quarterbacks that are going to be available. You're Justin Herberts, Tua, uh, Jake Fromm, Jordan Love from Utah State. Uh, all these guys are going to be top 50 picks next year. And so you have an idea, a loose idea of the positions that are going to be strong next year. Defensive line should be a strong group. Uh, the skill positions, wide receiver, running back, both those positions uh, have a lot of talent. So I think teams, uh, they have a general idea of the, what the strengths should be of the 2020 draft. And then they have kind of a head start on all the seniors that they need to be watching how many could be first-round picks, how many could be top 100 picks. So they have a general idea, but things always change. You know, Baker Mayfield uh, had a fifth-round grade, I believe, from the National Scouting Service, um, you know, at this time, what, two years ago. So things always change, and there's a lot of fluctuation, uh, but they just have a general idea at this point. So, and and I do think that that varies from team to team. I know, like, the Patriots mm-hmm. are usually way ahead, right? I mean, they... I've been told that March, April of the year before, they're spending a bunch of time on the next year's class already. I don't know if if you've heard that, Dane, or if that's true, but I know that uh, I think it actually was a Patriot scout that had told me that that he actually spent like post combine most of his time was spent on the next year's class. They already kind of the hay was in yeah. the barn almost for for that year's class. I'm sure they went to pro days and stuff and whatever, but that they were really starting to dig in and get as much information as possible for the next year's class and that they had a decent feel for it by the time the draft came around so that Belichick had a feel for for the next year. I don't know how many other teams are kind of that far ahead or not. Yeah, well, and like most things, the, the Patriots uh, seem to be a step ahead, you know, from uh, several other teams when it comes to those things. And I, I've had a conversation with uh, Mike Lombardi about this, who obviously spent time in New England. And really, and he brought this philosophy to uh, Cleveland when he was general manager uh, for that short stint in 2013. Uh, You know, you need to know about the next year's draft. So when you have a chance that there's a team in this current draft uh, who wants to trade up with you, 
you have a chance, okay, you know, they want to get back into the fourth round. Okay, well, if next year is going to be a pretty, uh, you know, decent draft in the top 100 picks, let's see, instead of getting, uh, you know, a fourth and a fifth uh, this year, maybe let's try to get a third rounder next year from this team. And so you need to know about what next year is going to look like so you know if it's worth getting a future draft pick in next year's draft or does the is next year's draft look like it's going to be topped out um, after the top 50 picks. So if we want a next year's pick, does it need to be somewhere in that early second round? Um, you know, if, we, if we're, we don't love this year's first round class, is it worth us trading out into the second round, but then picking up a first round pick next year or does next year's group look weak? So understanding, have a, having a general understanding what that next year's class could look like helps uh, teams like the Patriots understand when they trade around and they're moving around in the draft, is it worth uh, giving up that first round pick uh, to have a first rounder for next year? Where's the value uh, from this year based on next year's class? Anybody else that we should talk about other than Jalen Thompson, Dane? The other guy, uh, and I think I think Jalen Thompson will be drafted, and then the other guy who has a, a chance is Marcus Sims from West Virginia. And, you know, you w- talk about West Virginia last year was Will Greer, David Sills, Gary Jennings, uh, the quarterback and two receivers. That's who we talked about. But Marcus Sims had a pretty impressive year as well. He was that third receiver, uh, a big play uh, type of guy. Reminds me a lot of Kenny Sills, uh, who is obviously still in the NFL, still making plays. And Stills was a later round pick who has proved to uh, be much better player. And I think Sims could be the same type of guy, uh, six foot, 190 pounds, really good speed for low four, four speed. Um, uh, he has that type of speed that can win vertical. Uh, and that's what they did at West Virginia is a lot of slant comebacks underneath stuff to set up that double move to set up the vertical route. Uh, and so it doesn't, you know, like you think about that, that Holgerson uh, air raid system, not a lot of, uh, he didn't run a full route tree. Uh, There's some things he needs to work on uh, just in terms of digesting a pro playbook. But I think the the speed is there and the the toughness is there. And that's the two great places to start uh, for a later round pick, taking a chance on that guy. But again, there's a reason he's in supplemental draft. Uh, You know, he had, he had some issues going back to, uh, since he arrived uh, in Morgantown, he had a couple of DUIs, had a few marijuana issues. And then, you know, just his general attitude uh, has been questioned uh, by scouts. I had one scout tell me that the former uh, coaching staff, uh, they butted heads uh, more than a few times. And then this new staff uh, didn't fight too hard to keep him around uh, in the spring. So, you know, it's something where I – 100% believe he is worth a draft pick based on his ability and based on his play. Uh, but when you factor in the maturity, are you comfortable with the person and bringing him into your system? Is he worth a draft pick from that standpoint? That's where teams are going to be split. I think there's just a chance he could be drafted somewhere fifth, sixth, seventh round. The team could roll the dice on him, but it also wouldn't be surprising if he ends up being a priority free agent and, and then it just works like the regular drafts. He has a chance to sign with any team. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think he'll he'll be on a roster in training camp. Um, it's just a matter of we'll see if he gets drafted on the, in the supplemental draft or not. He is the best in the business. Nobody is more on top of this stuff than Dane Brugler. Highly encourage you to follow him 
on Twitter at DP Brugler and read everything he writes for The Athletic. It's fantastic. He went in depth on the supplemental draft in his piece on July 2nd as well. It is awesome, awesome stuff and a great reason to subscribe to The Athletic. You can hear how much Dane knows what he's talking about. Dane, thanks so much as always for the time. Really appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, Ross. And if you'd like to bet on the supplemental draft, there's no way you can actually bet on the supplemental draft, is there? That would be amazing. I should probably have checked before I started to tell you guys about betonline.ag and the promo code podcast1. I should have probably checked to see if there is actually a way that you can bet on the supplemental draft. That would really be funny. I mean, wow, that would be funny. Anyway, betonline.ag is the place I recommend if you guys like to place a wager. You go ahead, you use the promo code PODCAST1, and you get that glorious 50% welcome bonus, which is very cool. If you don't want to bet on the supplemental draft you can bet on the all-star game you can start to look at some of the college football over-unders which are posting which are pretty cool out there i saw penn state was eight and a half so depending on the sports book there's juice to each side there so if you like the over you like the under you can get a more favorable deal betonline.ag use the promo code podcast one tomorrow we've got a very exciting guest on the Fantasy Feast podcast. I've wanted to have her on, yes, her on, for quite some time. And then, how about tomorrow's Even Money podcast that we're going to drop right after midnight, How to Win Betting Pro Football, starring the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football gambling, Steve Fezzik. That will be dropping after midnight tonight. So highly encourage you to check out the Even Money podcast as well. I'll have some questions for Andrew Brandt about the supplemental draft from his perspective, as well as contract negotiations, as well as some of the things Chris Ballard wrote in his piece that I thought was really interesting. All that stuff will be on tomorrow's Ross Tucker football podcast. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We're all tapped out. Thanks for enjoying your frosty one while listening to the college draft. Chuck, 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 chuck. Make sure you're also subscribing to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, and Even Money Podcasts. All available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.